Lesson number 297, Surah Al-Muzzammil, ayah number 1 to 20. Many people pronounce the word Muzzammil as Muzzammil. Because some people, their name is also Muzzammil. And how are they called? Muzzammil. This is incorrect because the Zai has a Shadda on it. It's Muzzammil. And this Surah, Surah Al-Muzzammil, it's a Makki Surah. It has two Ruku'at. You know about Ruku' now? Now that you've studied Ulumul Qur'an? The first Ruku' of this Surah was revealed in the early Meccan era. And there is a difference of opinion with regards to the second Ruku' of this Surah. As you can see, the last ayah of the Surah, how long is it? It's quite long. And this is a style of Madani Surahs, isn't it so? So there is a difference of opinion whether the second Ruku' of the Surah is Madani or Makki. Some say that it's Madani. And others say that it is Makki as well. However, this is for sure that the second Ruku' of the Surah was revealed in a later period. Some say after a year. Some say that no, it wasn't revealed after a year. Rather, it was revealed in Medina. The Surah has 20 verses, 285 words and about 800 huruf. As you know that the theme of this juz is da'wah ila Allah, calling people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this Surah speaks about the weapon that the da'i must be equipped with, the nourishment that he must be sustained with. Because without this weapon, without this nourishment, a da'i cannot work for long. His da'wah will be empty. If he goes out in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calling people, without this particular weapon, without this nourishment, then his da'wah will be empty. It will be slow. It will be ineffective. He will find it extremely difficult. He will not have the energy to continue. He will neither have the zeal nor the enthusiasm and very soon his work will collapse. And what is that nourishment? What is that weapon that the da'i must have? A strong, a very, very strong connection with his Lord. A deep love that he must have of his Lord. A consciousness of his Lord. Similarly, fear of Allah. Having tawakkul on Allah. And this connection can only develop with ibadah. It can only develop with worship. And this is why in this surah, right at the beginning, what do we learn? The importance of ibadah, the command to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not just worshiping Him through the obligations that He has imposed on people, but rather also through the voluntary good deeds, especially when it comes to voluntary prayers. Because the strong connection with Allah cannot develop except through salah, except through ibadah. Think about it. Any person whom you have a good relationship with, how do you develop that relationship with them? By spending some time with them, by talking to them, by sharing your feelings with them. Isn't it so? By sharing your story with them. That is the only way of building a strong relationship. Communication. And what is the way of communicating with Rabbul Alameen? It is through salah. It is through the recitation of the Qur'an. So if a person does not communicate with his Lord through dua, through salah, through the recitation of the Qur'an, he cannot have a strong connection with him. If he cannot have a strong connection with him, he cannot do the work of the deen at all. And this is a fact. And if a person thinks that, no, I can do it anyway, he can try. But his work will be empty. 
it will not give him any sense of fulfillment. He will find it very difficult. Very soon, his efforts will collapse. His work will dwindle away. So the only way of making your work successful is what? That you have a strong connection with your Lord. And remember that this surah is a Makki surah. And it was revealed in the very early part of the Meccan period. And this shows to us that the Prophet ﷺ was also taught in the same way. That he had a huge challenge, a huge task before him. He was commanded to convey the message to all people. Ya أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا And how was he to do that? When the people were lost in idolatry. How was he to gain that confidence? How was he to build that courage? It was only possible through salah. This is why this command was given to the Prophet ﷺ at the very beginning. And we see that he continued this practice throughout his life. Because this is a means of developing strength. And you see, if a person is physically strong, he can deal with physical challenges. But sometimes a person, if he is spiritually strong, if he has inner strength, he can deal with many, many challenges, many problems. He can deal with tough people. He can deal with tough situations. He can deal with many problems. And if a person just focuses on physical strength, he cannot deal with the challenges that he faces. So it is very, very important for the da'i to have inner strength. And that inner strength is developed how? With the strength of iman. And that is only developed by ibadah. And we see that in the surah, Fir'aun is mentioned. I mean, when you're doing da'wah, you come across people like Fir'aun. Musa salam did. The Prophet salam came across people like Abu Lahab, Abu Jahl. How do you face these people? Think about it. Somebody who doesn't just say, I don't listen to you, I'm not going to listen to you, but someone who actively opposes you. How do you remain strong in these situations? When you have inner strength. And that inner strength can only come through ibadah. And this is a condition. So let's look at the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Ya Yuhal Muzzammil. O you who wraps himself up in clothing. Who is being addressed? The Prophet ﷺ is being addressed. And why is he being called Al Muzzammil? Because this was the state that he was in at the time when these ayat were revealed. And what does it mean by Al Muzzammil? Muzzammil is from the root letters Zai Mim Lam. And this word is actually mutazammil, mutafa'il, mutazammil. And the ta has been assimilated with the zai. So the word mutazammil changes into muzzammil. This is why it's necessary to pronounce the shadda. And tazammul, this is from Bab Tafa'ul, tazammul is to wrap oneself up with one's cloak or blanket or some garment. This is what tazammul means. And muzzammil is one who has wrapped himself up with his cloak or with his blanket or with his garment. Why would a person wrap himself up, cover himself up in this way? Why? When he is scared or he is cold or he is taking rest. Sometimes it happens that a person is lying down. Even if it's not cold, Many times people cannot lie down without a blanket. Even if it's very thin, but something has to be on top of them. Right? Even if they're sweating, they'll keep a sheet or something. They cannot sleep without it. They cannot lie down without it. So the purpose behind covering oneself is basically 
to hide oneself. Whether you are hiding yourself out of fear or out of weakness or out of cold, whatever the reason may be. But the purpose is to hide yourself. Zumail, which is from the same root, Zumail, is one who is afraid, one who is weak-hearted, who does not have courage. Because people who are afraid, who do not have courage, what do they do? They keep hiding themselves up. Sometimes it happens that a person will just cover their face even if there are no men. Why? Because they don't have confidence. Sometimes people will do that. This is a sign that a person is afraid in his heart, weak in his heart. There is a lack of courage. From the same root is the word zummal. And zummal is used for a person who is da'if, a person who is weak, a person who is aged, who is weak in his body. Because a person who is weak, he feels cold and afraid all the time. So this is why they wrap themselves up. So, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil Why is the Prophet ﷺ called al-muzzammil? Because when the revelation came to him, when Jibreel ﷺ appeared before him, what happened? He became afraid. And he ran to his house. And when he ran to his house, he met his wife, what did he say to his wife? Zammiluni Zammiluni Meaning, cover me, cover me. So this is why it is being said, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, O you who has covered himself up out of fear, why are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Qumil layla, stand up and pray. So Ya ayyuhal muzzammil. Secondly, it is also said that Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, he is being described in this way, he is being addressed in this way because he had wrapped himself up for the purpose of sleeping. And when do you do that? During the night So during the night He had taken his blanket He was ready for bed In order to fall asleep And then the command comes That oh Muzzammil This is not the time to relax This is not the time to rest This is not the time To be at ease No Don't rest Rather you have to stand up You have to stand up And pray And the word Muzzammil in a way, a very affectionate address to the Prophet ﷺ from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person might think, why is he being called in this way? Remember, this is a very affectionate address because the Arabs, they had a custom that whenever they addressed someone by the state that they were in, this was in a way showing affection to them. So for example, once Ali who he was upset with his wife Fatima and he went to the masjid and he was lying in the masjid and while he was lying in the masjid, his clothes got dirty because he was sleeping on the floor. And when the Prophet ﷺ came and saw him there, he said, Ya Aba Turab, O father of dust, because he was covered in dust. Similarly, Abu Hurairah, why was he called Abu Huraira? Because he loved cats, kittens especially. And you could always find them in his sleeves. He would be carrying them with himself. So this is why the Prophet ﷺ called him Abu Hurairah. So it is out of affection to address someone by mentioning the state that they are in. It's out of affection. It's not an insulting way. It's not derogatory, but rather it is out of affection. And remember that muzammil is also used for someone who is in a relaxed state. Someone who is in a relaxed state. Relaxed state from his work. Now when the wahi came to the Prophet ﷺ, a huge responsibility had been given to him. And that huge responsibility demanded some work and effort on his part. 
So he was lying down, afraid, or lying down, resting. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal muzzammil, it's not the time to wrap yourself. It's time to work. It's not the time to be relaxed. It's not the time to be afraid. Rather get up, build some strength, don't fear, don't worry. And how should you build your strength? Qumil Arise to pray in the night. Qum. This is a command. Qum. Stand up. And qiyam is to stand up. So for example, if a person is sitting, qiyam is that he gets up from his sitting position. A person is lying down, he gets up from his lying down position. So whatever position you're in, qiyam is to rise up from it and stand. Now, the Prophet ﷺ, he was lying down or he had covered himself up. Qum, stand up. And over here, this standing doesn't just mean just stand in the night idle for no reason. No, this means stand in prayer. Because the night prayer, what is the highlight of that salah? What is the main focus of that salah? It's the recitation of the Qur'an in the Qiyam. Isn't it so? Which is why it's also known as Qiyamul Layl. Why? Because that's the main highlight. That's the main focus. You're supposed to recite more and more Qur'an in that salah. So Qumil Layla, stand in prayer in the night. A layl over here, it means all of it throughout the night. But Allah says, Illa Qalila. Stand all night, Illa Qalila, except for a little of the night. Meaning, Stand all night except for a little. In other words, stand for how much? Stand in prayer for how much? A little of the night. You understand? Al-layl. The word al-layl means all. But then with illa, an exception is made. Al-layl means all night, but then with illa, exception is made. And what it means is a part of the night. What does this show to us? The Prophet ﷺ was afraid. He felt weak. What is he being told? Stand up and pray. Similarly, when a person is feeling weak, he feels he doesn't have strength. He feels afraid. He is worried. Then what should he do at that time? Instead of panicking, instead of sleeping away, trying to ignore the thoughts that are haunting him, or dwelling in those thoughts that are worrying him, instead, what should a person do? Stand up and pray. What do we do generally when we are afraid or when we are worried? Just go to sleep. Just go lie down in bed. Typically when people are upset, when they are depressed, what's their attitude generally? Ignore what is bothering them. Is that the solution? No. If you have a problem, you have a challenge to deal with, you cannot ignore it. You have to face it. But in order to face it, what do you need? Some strength. And where will you get that strength from? Through the night prayer. We think if we sleep, if we rest, then we will have a lot of energy and strength. It's actually the other way around. Sometimes sleeping makes you more lazy. Huh? And the fact is that praying in the night is what gives you strength. So, قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا so what do we learn here when a person is afraid, when a person feels weak, when a person feels incompetent, when a person 
feels that a huge mountain load is in front of him that he has to carry and he feels he's running out of energy or steam, then get that energy, get that fuel. And where will you get it from? قُمِ اللَّيْلَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا And how much is the qaleel? How much is it that a Prophet ﷺ was commanded to stand in the night in prayer? Nisfahu, half of it. Meaning half of the night, nisf al-layl. Aw or, if that's not possible, then unqus, reduce, decrease, from the root letters, noon qaf sad. Reduce minhu, from it, meaning from the half. Reduce the half, how much? Qaleelan, a little. So reduce the half up to how much? What would be less than half? A third or a quarter? Or you could go as less as you want, right? So awin qus, but Allah says, how much less? Qaleelan, a little only. And how much is that little? Up to a third. So in other words, don't reduce it too much. Stand a part of the night. And how much is that? Half of it. If not half, then a little less than that. And how much is that? A third. Aw or zid alayhi. Increase on top of that. Increase on top of what? What does alayhi refer to? Nisf of the night. Because the main command is what? Nisfahu. Half of the night. So either you can do a little less than half or zid alayhi. Increase. Add on top of that half. To how much? What would be more than half? Like for example, two-thirds, right? Or three-fourths. So, awzidh alayhi or increase upon it. So basically over here we see that there is no hard and fast rule that you have to pray half of the night. You understand? What has been said that it should be about half. A little less, a little more. That's okay. What does this show? That first of all, choice is being given. Because it's not possible that every night a person is in the same state. Some nights a person has more energy, others he doesn't. So, aw, what does this imply? Choice. That whatever you find, easy. And secondly, this choice is also given because sometimes a person does not know how much of the night has passed. Now these days, okay, you have clocks. But before, when people did not have clocks, when they could not refer to their wall clock, then how would they figure out that how much of the night has passed by? By looking at the sky. But even then, you cannot know exactly how much of the night has gone. You can only estimate. So this this freedom has been given, that it can be a little more, a little less than the half. And when you're standing in prayer, what should you do? وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا And recite the Qur'an with measured recitation. I mentioned to you earlier that in order to build a strong connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is needed? Communication. And for that, how does a person communicate with his Lord? By praying to Him. By making dua. But then, okay, this will be a one-sided conversation. You also have to listen to what Allah has said. Isn't it so? And what is the kalam of Allah? The Qur'an. So when a person reads the Qur'an, when a person reads the revelation that Allah has sent, then in a way he is listening to Allah. He is listening to what Allah has to say. 
So you understand? It becomes a two-way communication then. So in the salah, what should you do? رَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا Recite the Qur'an with measured recitation. Notice it hasn't been said that just recite. But what has been said? Recite with measured recitation with tartil. Tartil is a condition. Tartil is a condition of what? Recitation in the night prayer. So the question is what is tartil then? Tartil is from ratila. Ratalam. And ratila is to be in a good order. When something is even, it's in a good order. It's arranged in a very beautiful way. And it also means when something is good and beautiful. Now when does something look good and beautiful? When it is arranged in a beautiful manner. For example, if you have lots of books and you've put them on a shelf, and I'm sure you have, one way is that you just stuff them everywhere. Wherever you find a space, just shove a book there. So one is big, one is small, one is thick, one is very thin. One is in Arabic, another is in English, the other is in French. One is about fiqh, another is about tafsir, another is about dictionary. I mean, randomly, if you just stuff books in a place, is that going to look beautiful? No. When is it that your shelf is going to look nice? When? When you've put the books in order. So for example, from the tallest to the shortest, you have arranged them beautifully. So how? That you arrange them according to topics, according to themes, or according to their thickness and thinness, so on and so forth. So when you arrange something beautifully, then it looks beautiful. And when you just stuff something somewhere, without any order, without any discipline, then it does not look beautiful. You understand? So tortil is what? Tortil is to put together the components of speech in a very nice way. To put together and arrange in a very nice way what? The components of speech. So basically the words that a person is speaking. And secondly, it is also to make the words or the speech very distinct and clear. Distinct and clear. Because when you arrange something properly, then what happens? Each part is clear and distinct. For example, if you've put all the thin books in one place, then what's going to happen? You'll be able to find them. But if you put one thin book in the middle of a set of thick books, will you be able to find it? No, you won't be. So it is to arrange nicely the components of speech. This is Ratlul Kalam. And also to make the words, how? Distinct and clear in their utterance, in their pronunciation. This is what Tartil is. So tartil is to pronounce a kalima, how? Beautifully, in a perfect measure, in a perfect balance, and also correctly. Ar-Razi, he said that at-tartil fil kalam, an yatiya ba'dahu ala isri ba'd. That tartil of kalam is that one part is followed by the other. It's not a jumble of words that you can't make out where one word ended and where the second one started, where one sentence ended and the second one started. No. Each part is followed by the next. One statement is followed by the other. You can hear every letter, every word, every sentence clearly. 
You understand? And when a person speaks like this, the delivery is also very beautiful. When you cannot make out where a sentence is beginning, where it is ending, it becomes very burdensome, very difficult. You cannot pay much attention. So tartil, to summarize, includes two main things. First of all, it includes correct recitation, correct reading, correct pronunciation. Which means that the haq of every letter, every haraka is given. You understand? The haq of every letter, every haraka is given. So every shad, every mad, every sukoon, every alif, every wow, every tha, every kha, everything is given its haq. It is clear. When is that possible? When you read slowly. Isn't it so? If you're reading in haste, then will you be able to give the haq of every letter? You won't be able to. There will be some huruf that will completely disappear. There will be some harakat, some mud that will not be there in your recitation. So it's only possible when a person recites slowly. This is why it has been said that tartil is tamakkus. It is to recite with pauses, gradually, slowly, which is the opposite of ajala, of being hasty. So it is to recite how? Slowly. Secondly, tartil is also to recite in a beautiful way, with ease, with fluency. And how would you make your recitation beautiful? That when a person pauses at the right places, when a person lowers and raises the voice at the correct places as well. So basically, it's not broken reading. Because sometimes when a person is struggling to read, for example, an ayah or one line, he doesn't care as to where he is pausing in the middle of the word or after a word and it doesn't make sense to pause over there it's broken you see the recitation of the Quran is different from reading any other text any other text you can stop after every word there is no problem but the Quran is different that you have to connect all of the words together isn't it so? so you also have to pause at the right places it should not be broken reading Khazin said that Tartil is huwa tawaqquf it is tawaqquf meaning to pause where at the proper places wat tarassul to read slowly in a measured way wat tamahul meaning to read without haste tamahul to read without haste with calmness wal ifham to read with understanding wat tabyinul qira'ah harfan harfan and clearly pronouncing every letter making every letter distinct and clear from the other. Ali radhiallahu anhu, he said about tartil, that tartil is tajweed al-huruf wa ma'rifatul wuquf. He described tartil as two things. What? Tajweed al-huruf, which means that you recite every letter properly, giving it its haq. And secondly, ma'rifatul wuquf, to know where to stop, to know where to pause. Because if you don't pause at the right places, then the recitation becomes very heavy. Isn't it so? And sometimes, in fact, it can even change the meaning. Isn't it so? So you have to pause at the right places as well. Ibn Abbas, who said about tartil, it is to openly articulate the words. Openly articulate the words. How do you do that? When you recite slowly, gradually, without haste, giving each letter its right, 
Hassan Basri, he once saw a man reciting the Qur'an. And that man, as he was reciting the Qur'an, he was weeping at the same time. He was crying. So Hassan Basri said, this is what tartil is. So what does it mean? With understanding, with comprehension, that a person reads with his heart and mind and tongue, everything involved. Because sometimes what happens? Our focus is only on the voice, on the tongue. So we ignore the rules. Other times, it's only on the rules. So we ignore the meaning. Sometimes it's only on the meaning and we ignore the rules. What is tartil? Everything should be there. This is when the recitation will be proper. This is when the delivery will be beautiful. Similarly, we see that Al-Qama, he once heard someone reciting the Qur'an beautifully in a beautiful voice, meaning he was reciting in a very beautiful manner. So he said, this is tartil. So how did they understand tartil? It's not just about reciting properly with tajweed, but rather it is about reciting with understanding and also with some beauty. Reciting with some beauty as well. That is also important. But unfortunately, what has become the focus of some people? Only beauty. Or for others, only the rules. Or for others, forget about learning the rules and forget about beautifying the recitation. You should understand the Qur'an. So they don't focus on the recitation, they only focus on what? Studying the Qur'an. Trying to understand the Qur'an. That is also important. However, tafteel includes all of these things. Ibn Mas'ud anhu, he said about the recitation of the Qur'an that how must a person recite it? That لا تنصره نثر الدقل ولا تهزه هز الشعر or شعر قفوا عند عجائبه وحركوا به القلوب ولا يكن هم أحدكم آخر السورة What does that mean? That do not scatter the recitation of the Qur'an out like the scattering of sand. That if you have sand and you scatter it everywhere, how would you scatter it? Quickly without looking, oh, where is that ball of sand going and where is that going, where is that going? No, just quickly. Isn't it so? You do it quickly to get it over with. And do not rush through it like the hasty recitation of poetry. For example, if you're reading poetry, you're going through something, how do you read it sometimes? You just whiz through it. You just skim through it quickly. Don't do it like that either. Stop at its amazing parts. Meaning when something amazing is mentioned in the Qur'an, then stop there, appreciate that, take it in, absorb it. And make your heart move with the recitation. Make your heart move with the recitation. Let it touch your heart. Let it affect your heart. Let it sink into your heart. None of you should let his concern be to reach the end of the chapter. Don't make your concern the end of the chapter. Don't make your concern the end of the page. Because sometimes this is what our concern is. Which is why we ignore the rules. Which is why we don't enjoy the recitation. Sometimes our focus is just to get over the surah, over the juz. And because of that, we compromise on the lessons that are there, the things that we must be reflecting on. If a person's purpose of recitation is just to reach the end of the surah, then how will he be affected by the Qur'an? How will he be humbled by it? 
the Qur'an will only impact a person when a person spends time reflecting on it, reading it properly. Then we learned that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, that, O people of the Qur'an, do not make the Qur'an something to recline on. Do not make the Qur'an something to recline on and recite it in the night as is the right of reciting it. And spread the Qur'an, recite it with beautiful voices, reflect upon it so that you attain success. So that you attain success. We have learned earlier that الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ What does it mean by حَقَّ That a person recites in the proper way with tajweed giving every harf its haq, pausing at the right places as well, reflecting on the meanings as well. All of that is included in haqqa tilawati. Anas anhu, he was asked about the recitation of the Prophet ﷺ, that how did he recite the Qur'an? So he replied that he used to elongate the letters. He used to stretch the letters, meaning recite them properly. And he recited, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, And he elongated Bismillah and he elongated Ar-Rahman and he elongated Ar-Rahim so wherever the mud is there any kind of mud wherever the sound has to be stretched he would stretch it whether it is in Bismillah or in Ar-Rahman or in Ar-Rahim because sometimes what do we do? Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim so the Heem sounds just like B whereas there should be a difference between the sound of B and the sound of Heem. There is a Ya in one place and there is no Ya in the other. So there should be a difference between the two. So how did the Prophet ﷺ recite? By giving every harf and every haraka its haq. Um Salama, she was asked about the recitation of the Prophet ﷺ as well. So she said, he used to pause in his recitation, verse by verse. So when he would recite, Bismillah, at the end he would pause. When he would recite Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, he would pause. And then he would say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. And then he would say Maliki Yawmiddin. You understand? That there is permission to connect the verses together as well. But what was the way of the Prophet ﷺ? That he would pause after every ayah. He would pause after every sentence. Because when you pause after every ayah, every sentence, then that means your mind is involved. Isn't it so? That means you're thinking, you're reflecting. But if you're just reading continuously, non-stop, then what does it show? That your concern is just to reach the end. We learned that Hudayfa bin Yaman, he said that once I stood beside the Prophet ﷺ in the night prayer to see how he recited the Qur'an. So look at the Sahaba. How they used to ask one another and how they used to listen attentively to his recitation to see how was his way of recitation even. And I noticed that he glorified Allah where he should be glorified. So for example, where Allah says, Sabbihisma Rabbikal A'la, what should we say? Subhanallah. When Allah says, Fasabbih bismi Rabbikal Azim, then what should you say? Subhana Rabbi al Azim. So he said that I noticed that he glorified Allah where he should be glorified. And he invoked and supplicated Allah where he should be invoked and supplicated. And sought refuge of Allah where his refuge should be sought. So his recitation was very meaningful. 
He was fully involved in it. And how was it? That every time the ayat spoke about punishment, he sought refuge in punishment. Every time he spoke about reward, he asked for that reward. And this is how our recitation should be as well. What does it show then? Tartil is not possible without understanding the Qur'an. You understand? Tartil is not possible unless and until a person recites the Qur'an with understanding. Similarly, Tartil is not possible unless a person has knowledge of Tajweed. Isn't it so? Because Tajweed, what does Tajweed mean literally? To make something better, to make something beautiful. And how do you make your recitation beautiful? By reading it properly. Correct? So Tartil is a combination of what? Tajweed as well as understanding of the Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا And recite the Qur'an in a measured, in a proper, beautiful recitation. The delivery should be good. The recitation should be meaningful. You should be involved with your tongue and your heart and your mind. And remember that the way it is mandatory on us to study and understand the Qur'an, it's also mandatory on us to recite the Qur'an properly as well. Two things are necessary. What? First of all, understand the meanings. And secondly, understand how to read as well. And both of these things, can any person gain them, develop them without effort, without practice, without struggling? No. You can only know the meanings of the Qur'an if you've put time studying the Qur'an. Not just once, not just twice, but again and again. The more you study, the better is your understanding. The more you reflect, the better is your understanding. Similarly, your recitation cannot improve unless and until you have spent time reciting. This is not a skill that people are born with. Because sometimes when we come across people who recite beautifully, who recite correctly, we think, oh, you know, that's them. And me, I just don't know. No, you can also learn. You can also improve if you put your mind and heart to it and you actually practice. It's very much possible. Isn't it amazing that there are people who have never heard the Qur'an even, who have never read even a letter of the Arabic language, and once they become Muslim, and they give time, and they put in effort, they can recite the Qur'an properly. Isn't it so? It's possible. We want a shortcut. And unfortunately, there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut at all. The only way is practice. And practicing not just once or twice, but practicing regularly, consistently, every single day. There was a book I read in which this person was mentioning about how there are people who are successful in whatever they do, and they have really excelled in whatever they have done. And there were examples of very successful people. And one of the things that he mentioned was about this 10,000-hour rule, that in order to become good at something, you have to have spent at least 10,000 hours doing it. If you look at all these people who have been successful in whatever they have done, anything they have accomplished, if you look at their lives, they have spent a lot of time doing what they have become good at. Similarly, the recitation of the Qur'an, you cannot improve in just one day. You cannot improve in just a year and a half. 
It's not possible. You have to do it regularly, consistently. Regularly, consistently, without a pause, without a break. And you have to keep doing it, keep doing it. In the morning, in the night. And that is when eventually you will develop that fluency. You will be able to read properly. There is no shortcut to it. And the thing is that there is no avoiding it either. A person cannot even avoid it. He cannot say, oh well, my tajweed is not good, so forget about it. No. You have to strive to improve it. Ibn al-Jazari, he said, it is an obligation to recite the Qur'an with tajweed. It is an obligation. And a person who does not do that, he is in fact being sinful. He said, وَالْأَخْذُ بِالتَّجْوِيدِ حَتْمٌ لَازِمٌ وَمَنْ لَمْ يُجَوِّدِ الْقُرْآنَ آثِمٌ Whoever does not develop the tajweed skills, then in fact he is committing a sin. Why? لِأَنَّهُ بِهِ الْإِلَاهُ أَنزَلَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an how? According to some rules that you have to read it by, right? وَهَكَذَا مِنْهُ إِلَيْنَا وَصَلَ And this is how it has reached us. So if it has reached us in this way, it is our responsibility to pass it on as well. If we don't read properly, then how are we meant to pass it on? So where the understanding of the Qur'an is something necessary for a believer, proper recitation is also necessary. And without these two things, a person cannot do tartil. You understand? Without these two things, a person cannot do tartil. Now we see that tartil, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded who over here? The Prophet And at another place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attributes this to himself as well. In Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah 32, وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ تَرْتِيلًا In Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 106, وَقُرْآنًا فَرَقْنَاهُ لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ That this Qur'an we have separated by intervals that you might recite it to the people over a prolonged period. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He revealed the Qur'an as well, how was that revealed to the Prophet ﷺ? With tartil. And the same thing we have to strive to do as well. There is no option with regards to it. If the Prophet ﷺ was commanded, what does it mean for us? The same thing. And we learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, زَيِّنُوا الْقُرْآنَ بِأَصْوَاتِكُمْ Beautify the Qur'an with your voices. Beautify the Qur'an with your voices. A person cannot say, oh, I don't have a beautiful voice. So, It's not about beautiful voice. It's not about having a very singy tone and rhythm. No. It's about reciting it properly with meaning. And when a person does that, automatically it becomes beautiful. And he also said, لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ لَمْ يَتَغَنَّ بِالْقُرْآنِ He is not one of us who does not recite nicely the recitation of the Qur'an. Meaning the one who does not recite it nicely, the one who does not do it beautifully, he is not of us. So it shows that it's an obligation on us to recite the Qur'an with tartil. Many times we see that the attitude of people towards the Dweed or towards proper recitation of the Qur'an is that too bad, I never learned when I was a child or I'm just not good at it, so forget about it. It's okay. Allah knows about my intention. But if you think about it, would anybody say this with regards to a speech problem? No. If their child has a speech problem, they're not able to pronounce certain letters, will they say, oh, it's okay? doesn't matter? No, they will take them to a speech therapist. They get so worried, they get so concerned. They will spend so much time making sure that their child can pronounce the letters properly. Similarly, if a person has an accent which is not as good, are they proud about it? No, they will feel shy, they don't speak because they say my accent is not good. 
Isn't it so? So why is it that when it comes to the recitation of the Qur'an, we think, oh, it's no big deal. Allah knows our intentions. If a person mispronounces our name, we get so offended. We tell them to correct the pronunciation. But how is it that the Qur'an is recited, and if it's not recited properly, correctly, we say it's okay? It's not okay. This is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm thinking that we want perfection in everything. Mm. We strive to have perfection in everything, but we don't strive enough to have perfection in the Qur'an. And remember that to improve your recitation, to become better at it, do you have to put in effort. You may feel that you've been putting effort for so long and you don't see any results. It's okay. You have to put in effort. Don't get demoralized very quickly. And it happens with some people that they are striving for years and years. They're striving every day. But the improvement is very slow. It's okay. Don't get discouraged by that. The improvement may be slow initially. But keep going. Keep going. Don't give up at all. And you will see that inshallah within some time you will become fluent as well. You know for example children. When do they start talking? Some children take very long. After they're two years old... Two and a half, that's when they start talking and initially their speech is not clear. Isn't it so? But they keep listening, they keep talking, they are read to, they are corrected again and again and eventually by the time they're six years old, eight years old, no problem in their speech. But did it take only a few months? It took years, years. Similarly with your tajweed as well, it's possible it's taking you years. But don't stop, don't give up. And keep motivating yourself with that hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that the one who recites the Qur'an while being proficient in it, meaning the mahir of the Qur'an, will be the companion of the righteous honorable scribes, meaning the angels. And the one who recites it while finding it difficult to recite will have two rewards, meaning he will have double reward. Why? For his effort and for his recitation. Because he has to put in more effort. So when you have to put in more effort, don't get discouraged. Because remember that every letter you're reading, every time you are repeating, you are getting reward inshallah. Because sometimes what bothers us is repetition. That why do I have to repeat it again and again? I recite it and alhamdulillah Allah has helped us. It makes such a big difference to you when you're reciting with the meaning because now you understand what's going on and you understand why you're reading and also... With the Tajweed rules, I was also thinking that I'm still not done learning Tajweed. And inshallah, it's a long journey. It takes a really long time just to learn the basic rules and then just to get even better at it. It takes yes. such a long time. And when we learned it with the meaning, it made so much sense to me that, you know what, this is why I have to learn Tajweed. Yes. Good, mashallah. The other day I was listening to these children. I think they were in grade 2, perhaps. And I think they were memorizing Suratul Haqqa. And they were reciting, and I was like, I wish they knew the meaning as well. I wish they knew the meaning as well, so that they know what they're reading. Because many times we see that the focus of parents is just to get their children to memorize the Qur'an. Or the focus of other people is just to perfect their tajweed. And they will spend years or a lot of time in studying the theory, studying the rules, and then practicing them again and again. Very, very important, very necessary. But if you see over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا Not وَجَوِّدِ الْقُرْآنَ تَجْوِيدًا That tajweed is essential. Without tajweed, tartil cannot happen. 
But similarly, without understanding, tarzil cannot happen. If we keep delaying and then thinking that there's going to be one day I'm going to be able to do it, you're going to end up not doing it at all. So we have to start now. We keep wishing to see that day when our tajweed will be very good, when we will have memorized a lot of the Qur'an. But we want to see that day without putting in effort. You have to read every single day in order for your recitation to improve. If you think about it over here, the Prophet ﷺ is told to recite when? During the night. Qumil layla. And what does it mean every night? And in every night when you stand and pray, what should you do? Read the Qur'an. So what does it show? That you have to put an effort every single day. This is a fact that anything you want to become good at, anything that you have interest in, you will make time for it, you will study it, you will research it, you will read it, and you will get better at it. When your heart and mind are involved in it. So if you want to get better at something, you really like it, you won't find it difficult. You won't find reciting the Qur'an, practicing tajweed difficult. I'm amazed sometimes at how people will research the smallest of things even. That, for example, they're baking something, they're cooking something, and they want to know what the alternate is for this particular ingredient. And they will search online. They will do all of their research. Why? Because they want their food to turn out good. And they will ask other people, they will check books. Similarly, they're interested about a particular person who is successful. They will read about their works and their accomplishments and their biography. And when it comes to the Qur'an, reading one ayah even is so heavy. Reading one page a day is so difficult. People read pages and pages daily. People who are interested in sports, how much they read and how much they watch and how much they listen. On the radio they're listening, on the television they're watching, on the computer they're reading, on their phones they're reading, constantly getting updates about a sport that you don't even play yourself. Why do you have so much interest in it? Because you like it. Why do you spend your time with it? Because you like it. Similarly, if a person puts his heart and mind to this, that I have to get better, and besides, this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah has commanded us, وَرَطِّلُ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا And for every letter I read, there is ajr, then a person will not find it difficult. He will find it easy to read, no matter how long it takes. So over here, the Prophet ﷺ is told, وَرَطِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا That recite the Qur'an with tartil in salah. And one more thing about tartil, that when a person is reciting, you should recite in a very natural way. What does it mean by that? Don't exaggerate too much. Don't make it so fake and unreal. Don't be pretentious that you're bringing a frown on your forehead and you're showing that, oh my God, I feel this so much and crying with a fake cry or you know, reading very loud. This is also disrespectful. Because remember that this is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not somebody else's share of poetry or somebody else's kalam that you can read with a loud voice and yelling. No, this is not appropriate. So when you read, relax. When you read, be natural. Don't be pretentious. Don't read in a fake way. If you put your mind to it, if you focus on the proper recitation, naturally the flow will come. Naturally the beauty will come. So, وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا